On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we actually talk about college football with someone who actually knows something about college football, probably more players than Rufus does, and I do combined, so that's great. We're joined by the sports cheetah, Preston Johnson, and basically we talk almost exclusively college football. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is. Welcome to a uh, accelerated. What is this? Uh, premature. Very special. Very special. Most dramatic episode ever of Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, no, of, uh, sorry, Ooh. about the process. With our special friend, the bearded one, Preston Johnson, who knows a little bit about college football, which is more than Rufus and I know, so we thought we'd have him on. Um, Rufus is just a voice. He literally can't figure out how to fix his camera. So we don't even see him on screen and it's just me and Preston talking and the voice of God, Rufus, occasionally talking. So Preston, welcome. Um, what's going on in your life? You uh, are starting to bet college football or he's put odds out there. Are you, are you actually betting these or is this what's going on? Because I don't think you've lost nope. 35 or 45 pounds or whatever it is yet. Nope. Still fat. Um I need, to, I need to lose. I need to lose another twenty-three. So zero cents on any of the week one actions. So you should all round robin every which way. But uh, yeah, I, I, I basically, you know, stuff's been up for a while for week one anyway. But I sent everything out to to friends and stuff uh, last night, and uh, yeah, excited for an official week one with you know pretty full slate. I think probably fifteen or so bets. Have you noticed? Uh when you send these out and you're not betting them that they don't move as fast or are they moving the same? Yeah, they didn't move as much. There was a few that did end up moving this morning, um, but a good portion of them are, are still pretty widely available for now as of Monday night. So um, yeah, if anyone was wondering if I actually bet these or not, that's, I guess, one sign, right? What, uh, what was your process? What's your process like right now to come up with bets for this week? Uh, same as usual, man. I mean, there's, I guess, the extra caveat this season, similar to last year with COVID, and we'll see how things break down going forward week to week. But uh, generally just, you know, been running my, my stuff, running my numbers and comparing them to the market and embedding some of the discrepancies there. Uh, a lot of them are similar to the futures and season win totals that stood out to me that I was uh, different with the market on the last eight weeks or so when I started doing breakdowns on my, on my daily show of those. So we can get into a few of them as we, we uh, usually do and see where Rufus is at on stuff, but uh, no, no big change or anything to my philosophy or how I'm attacking college football. Rufus, how did you feel about, uh, how did you feel about this week? Did you bet much or did you look at what cheetah bet? For week zero or like week one, part one, are you talking about uh Right. For this coming week, the game's coming up this week. I haven't bet any college football yet. Are I'm you still, you know, I had a powwow with the business, like with, my, with, I had a pow, I had, I've had some powwows today with like 
business partners and betting partners and stuff, trying to figure out what the process is going to be like, you know, there's a, I'm a little bit late in, in figuring this stuff out this year. I feel like there's, you know, a lot, been a lot going on. But what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, Just in my joke. life, my, my sister gets married this weekend. So where that's is she getting married. Sorry, where? Yeah. yeah. Up in Maine, coast of Maine, down nice. east, Blue Hill. Beautiful. Are you in the wedding? Um, I am. Nice. Uh, maid of honor? Matron of honor. <laughs> There's so many reasons that that doesn't work. Um, so, um, so you are, so you get, are you going to bet this week or not in college football? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am. Do you have any idea what you're going to bet on? You could tell us before and see if we can front run you. <laughs> well, shit, maybe I, <laughs> I mean, I'm in an unwinnable position to right this now. podcast to see if we could, I do feel like we did a good job the last time Cheetah was on moving the worldwide women's water polo market. You guys did move that about a dollar more. <laughs> That's it. I actually am not sure post like, yeah, if people were listening the next few days after on the podcast. That's a good point. I didn't check again after well, the next morning. I moved minus during the podcast. It bounced I back at some that's point. why we were recording. What's that? I placed bets while we were recording. And you won them all. And Joey all Knish won. said that he finally got some value out of listening to this podcast. Which I'm not sure why you guys are even recording more podcasts. <laughs> Just ended on so that. That, that was actually the thing that he said. He'd been listening his whole life and now, or not his whole life, but he'd been listening this whole time and finally got extracted some value out of something I said, which... Really, yeah, he, like- he tends to say that he doesn't listen to your guys' podcast, but then he definitely listens to every single one because he knows when there is a few things here and there. If I'm on and say something, or if you give out the winner on the water polo, um, so Joey, we, we know you listen, even though you say you don't. Yeah, and I, and I don't. It doesn't matter if you hate listen; like that's still a listener. It counts as one Dude, of the it's seven. a click. Yeah, that's how you guys get all the sponsorship money. That's how we make yeah. so much money. This podcast has made me richest, richer. Covering the golf imagination. Maybe more eloquent also, because I don't think it's done that either. More articulate? More eloquence. Fewer eloquence. I don't know. One of those. Less eloquence. Um, so Cheetah, you now you went through this slate and you you and Rufus were talking off uh, um off air before we came on about how last year it seemed like none of the pros made money uh in college football. That seems rare, right? Because college football is traditionally one of the ones that the pros do the best in. That's what Cheetah said. I mean, I, I, I didn't make money, but that doesn't, I, I can't vouch for anybody, any, anybody else. Well, um, I, I ended up, I ended up slightly down as well. And that included, I don't even know if Jeff, you realize this, but we finished like 23 and four the last five weeks and it was still a down season for me. So uh, I think I've mentioned it before, maybe not on your pod, but I have had my three worst Saturdays of all time. were all in the first six weeks of last season. So I was just like, it was just crazy for me. A few other people I talked to is more or less break even slight, slight loser, maybe a few that were slight winners, but um, yeah, I'm not sure it's necessarily after I thought it through a lot. Uh, you, you know, you look at what you bet, you look at it relative to the closing line, all that stuff. You know, it was probably just kind of some randomness as a whole last year. There's a lot of people that got it, got it in good ahead of COVID news. Were ahead by you know six, seven points at close and would lose those ones too. So it's it's just part of the game and, and nothing I really took um, too intently to like change how I'm approaching this season. When you when you make bets, because you make bets a lot of times, or you put in bets, 
kind of knowing how the mark, and this is going to end up sounding like kind of a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I think it might benefit one of our seven listeners. Um, you make some bets knowing which way the market is going to move, right? Do you think it's in the best interest to just ride that out? Like, or like say that you find out news about a WNBA team being stuck in whatever, mm-hmm. or you know what I'm talking about. You make these bets, I know, sometimes based on front running information. Do you think it's in the best information, in the best interest to bet those back when they bounce or just to hold on to those? I think in general, you're better if you were to measure it out betting it back, you would lose the vague long-term back that you're betting back. Right. So like in general, it would still be profitable as a whole. If you're like middle is big enough. Right. If if, say you got like a minus two and it closes minus seven, like you're going to be ahead, probably playing back in a vacuum, but not as ahead as if you just held minus two. So it's going to be all relative to that. Uh, I've kind of always over bet stuff like that when I do have info on purpose though, to play back or like scout money lines, another way to just get more down, right? If you can only get X amount of minus two, but you lay a bunch of minus 130, 135, you know, you can play plus 190 back later or whatever it may be. Um, I'll go that route sometimes as well. So it's kind of just dependent on what your goals are. But uh, theoretically, if you're just placing your typical size bet at minus two, um, I wouldn't normally recommend playing back unless, you know, the information changes or there's some news that that changes that. Rufus, do you have any uh, take on this? No, I mean, I, I evaluate each bet in a vacuum. If that bet is positive EV, then I'm going to place it. And but, if, but so do you guys think that by the very nature that the market reacted in a way such that that information made this positive EV in the market, that that means it's positive EV? I mean, is, is you, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like there is the market can react to a bunch of different information, right? And theoretically, I guess we believe that. You're wondering that in those instances, is it necessarily plus EV? Like, can you trust the closing line as much? Right, because is it overreacting to information is, and, and, you know, if you think about it, markets processing that information, maybe they overreact to it. So maybe the real line is, I don't don't know. I mean, I, I think because you front run the information, you feel pretty confident that you're plus EV because you know the market's going to end lower. But do you guys understand what I'm saying? Is it, I mean, is this yeah. like, a, is this crazy talk or is this so obvious? Should we drop it? No, I think you're on the right track. You know, if some, it happens like even like with right angle, generally they release something. And I know there's guys that will intentionally, not, not just blindly, but in certain cases they'll play back because they think it moves too far the other way and it sets up an opportunity to go against what they played like in a total that moves six points or something. So uh, in some of these COVID situations, when the market was pretty immature in the sense we don't have a ton of historical data on eight of the defenders are out or none of the receivers are allowed to play or whatever it may be, if the market, the closing line, maybe it moved from minus two to minus seven, just basically asking maybe the fair line was five or five and a half. And you could be right. It's kind of hard to say with definity, you know? I mean, it, it, I guess it get it, it comes down to like, I mean, cause someone like me, I've regressed my numbers to the market number. And it's what you're saying is how much confidence should you have in a market number? If you feel like you're influencing it or, you know, RAS is influencing it or something like that. Well, I feel like there's two things. One is like your own influence on the market, which I think is, 
is interesting, right? Ultimately, don't chase your own steam. Good lesson. Sure. So let's just, that's like Roz and maybe Dr. Bob and, and, you know, like maybe yourself and golf and things like that, like that, that's one. The other is I'm talking about this like very public information that's probably really hard to price from a modeling standpoint. Like again, I think, like, I think you're, I'll, I'll interject one more. I think you're right about modeling it and quantifying the exact worth of it for sure. I also think in those cases to the public eye and public sentiment, it's so much more obvious when it's like, oh, half of the defense is out. Therefore, I'm going to bet the other side, even though it's already moved two or three points. So I think it also kind of changes the tune where that extra steam, chasing the steam, whatever you want to call it, is a little more pronounced than it typically would be. You know, so-and-so quarterback is out. Now it's all of a sudden the backup. Like who in their right mind that's just like, you know, a general for fun, average Joe better, isn't just going to try to hurry and bet whatever number. They just think it's good no matter what. So I think there's quantifying I mean, it for one and i think COVID the market a, reaction covid was a big example of this right like last year the covid the you know covid um 19 plus cluster injuries or cluster covid or whatever you uh-huh. call it where um or even just like the what about like the nick saban thing last year right sure yeah like that that kind of thing like i i guess it's more uncertainty and, yeah yeah i i guess for me it's just I, you know, I'm on your WhatsApp chain. I see things that you shoot out. I see the lines move based on you being front running information. And then I always wonder to myself, I'm like, but he's literally doing that based on the fact that he's information that others don't. He is not quantifying that information at all to understand like what the, what the actual implication of that news is. I mean, you can quantify it depending on like if it's you have some sort of player evaluation to some extent you can quantify it but when it's weird circumstances like such and such team they're vague we don't know how many players will be available but also they haven't practiced for five or six days like yeah that's tougher to quantify for sure and you're kind of just hoping like okay there's downside there and you kind of have to go with it and in those instances i wouldn't be just blindly betting something like that anyway i'd probably need to have my my raw projections or numbers add up to the same side to some degree that's when you need that's when you need to speak to an expert like alan iverson about the value of practice (laughs) call him up exactly um what what else is going on in the college, uh, Cheetah? Do you is there is there anything that uh, what are, who are the teams going into this week that are playing this week that you're particularly high on? Uh, big game is Georgia Clemson. That's like the right. main whatever. Marquee. I've heard of both of those teams. Mark Marquis. Yeah. The Mark Marquis Iverson. You have. Let's see. There's one other big one: Alabama Miami. Although you know one of those teams is an 18 and a half point favorite. I'm pretty high on Oklahoma just because I think they, uh, although that game I believe against Tulane was canceled earlier today, but they were going to play. But that's another team that I have. Uh, they're number three, just barely behind Clemson and in, in my personal ratings entering the season. They should have a somewhat, I think, easy path in the Big 12. Um, but yeah, there's there's really kind of five teams and then everyone else. So Georgia's like that last team on the what, bottom. What are those five teams for you? Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State. That was fast. Bama, I'm in that order. It's basically the five that it seemed like it's been for every a while, year. Right? Yep. And yeah. then it drops to like Iowa State, A and M, kind of another Iowa, tier. Yeah, I got A and M next. I have Iowa State all further down. 
They're going to, that's yeah. Iowa state's about as good as they'll ever be this season. If they're going to do anything. See my, my tears are, see, I have Alabama and then a drop off of five points and then Ohio state, Oklahoma, Georgia, Clemson, all within a point and 1.25 points of each other. And then a drop off of three and a half points to A&M. And then a drop off of five point, like four and a half points to Auburn, Florida, Wisconsin, Iowa State, Penn State. Well, you have Auburn that high. Oh, yeah. You're gonna be in for a surprise. I don't think Auburn will be that good. Well, you they're know, barely I, I, in my top twenty-five this year to start. What's so? Here's a question: What 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 is my algorithm model with, that does not have any qualitative subjective stuff missing there? Uh, they have the Boise State coach is taking over, and also I just don't think that they're as good. So I, maybe there's just more uncertainty and question marks so on the coaching have front. They but... lost. They. I mean. Like, let's pretend for a second that I, I mean, so I'm using recruiting information. I like the transfer stuff. Uh-huh. You think that there, but you think there's been the guys they've lost, the guys they lost to graduation, the draft, et cetera, have been way better than. You know what, you know, where I think they've probably been hurt the most is they used to just have like a sick running game. They could make noise up front and their offensive line graded out like pretty poorly last year. And the defensive line has the last few years, I think lost four combined NFL players. So the defensive line is pretty new. I don't think it's nearly as good as where it's been. And then their quarterback is Bo Nix, which, I mean, you can go through your grade outs on Bo Nix at throwing a football, but they're not great. And then you're bringing in a new coach. Maybe it's a positive. They also just play, you know, on a schedule that's going to be pretty tough for them. So when you put them in the same tier as Florida, that's why I said, Oh, whoa, I think you're going to be, in for a surprise. Um, I, you know, I have Florida like around 12, 13 range. And, you know, again, Auburn's just in that 23, 24 range for me. So. Interesting. I mean, I do think there's with, with the new court coach, there's definitely more uncertainty. That seems definitive. <laughs> there's more uncertainty <laughs> with the new coach. It's not in my head. Yeah. Good. How, how did you, when you think about that, Preston, like how do you downgrade them from an analytics standpoint, that uncertainty or that that new coach? Brian Harson is their against, coach, right? Yeah, Harson. I, I don't really have anything against him outside of, for whatever reason, Boise State struggled to defend the run more frequently under him than they did prior. But it could just be kind of fluky the last few years. It could be talent related too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't necessarily think that like losing Gus Malzahn and having like a run with him for a while where they were better is 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 going to be a drop off. It's really that they have a quarterback that I don't think is very good. They have the 14th best receiving group of 14 SEC teams in my ratings I'm looking at right now. Um, and they're outside the top 10 offensive line, defensive line. I, I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to just, you know, have enough when it's all said and done. Uh, from... Can you take Akron plus a 37 then? <laughs> Let me see. I when I was logging on everything last night, it wasn't a worthwhile bet, so probably not. No. Akron is like one of the worst teams in Division One, aren't they? Yeah, you want to know where they're at? They're bottom seven ish. Yeah, UConn range. They, they lost forty. That was just me eyeballing it. That's my version of analytics. Fire. They're, they're really bad. I have really them bad. better than one, two, three, four, five teams. Better than five teams. So you yeah. have them work even lower than Cheetah. So we should actually really just try to uh, deconstruct Rufus's model to see why he has Akron worse than you do, Cheetah. That's no, I have him 125 of 130. 
we're the same exact spot. I said bottom seven when I was just eyeing a clump of teams, but but my but, number makes like Auburn more than a forty point favorite. Really? So that's probably just because you're so high on Auburn. Yeah. So um, you're, gonna, you're gonna bet some bet some Auburn in that game? We're gonna cheat. Probably gonna... not. I, honestly, his like I I haven't done like I haven't done great week one historically. How about the impress the new coach in a blowout situation? Like the new coach wants to show up in that game. So, so when they're up 35, do they try to score one more time? Yeah, for the boosters. You have to for the boosters because the boosters affect your job security. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great way to get job security is to beat Akron by more than 37 points. Cover the spread. You know what? I think that is always a funny take that people throw out there, but I'm also pretty confident that a lot of the boosters have money on the team. So I think it does, it does at least have some sort of merit in that regard. Well, and if you look, if you look historically at cover rates and you can like, honestly, I modeled it like anybody out there can do this model it with like line, line squared, line cubed. Like, I mean, you could, or you can do any sort of spline stuff, whatever, like, but, but basically you, you find some pretty significant fits and basically favorites in historically in the 20 plus range tend to do tend to overperform. And I mean, the, I guess that's kind of support for this theory, isn't it? Because, you know, if you have a favorite in the like 12 to 15 range or, you know, anything less than that, the coach is, you know, cares about winning the game. You're going to take a knee once you can um, because you don't want to lose the game. But once you're in the scenario where you're not taking a knee when you're up like 28, you know, it's like, well, why not be a little bit more aggressive? Because I know this is going to help me, you know, it's, it's going to make my week a little bit easier if I cover the spread. I'd be interested to see if the market's like corrected for that in the last three years or so. I'll yes. take a look for you. I mean, yes. the thing is that it's still not that three years is not a big sample. Yeah, maybe maybe it's four or five years, but I just wonder if because you're probably thinking back to when you started doing stuff, you know, before 2010. I'm not sure. Oh no, no, but I'm thinking about like I literally year. I ran something with this just this past year Recently? using the past like okay. ten years of data, and it's still strong. Yeah, I mean it, it's so for me the question is maybe this is a nugget Joey Knish will find valuable find valuable, but like what mean do you regress to? Do you regress to a market number essentially that or a cover rate. So that incorporates past biases. If you think that they, if you expect them to sort of persist in a way, right. Or not. You must have to like adjust on your end, however you want to do that. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you have to take a stand one way or another. I've been saying that for a while. So <laughs> you have, no, I was just, just saying you have to take a stand. In this so you're laying the 37, Jeff, is that what we got out of that? Um, I think I'm going to tease both sides. Just call it a day. I think 37 is pretty much the right line. So it, it, we're all good. Um, Georgia Clemson. We had bet that the last time you came on at Georgia plus five. So we got all sorts of CLV right now. What is the real line on that? Should I bet it back at Clemson minus three? That's that's what your new self is thinking, right? I, I will say this. They, uh <laughs> forget the names, but Georgia had a safety, a tight end, another receiver that were like kind of questionable. They hadn't been practicing the last few weeks, but the, the safety and the tight end for sure are cleared and the receiver is expected to be cleared. So uh, I think you saw a little bit of Clemson buyback. It got as low as two. 
you know, now it's settled at three. Uh, that had a little bit to do with the particular setup there with Georgia and, and the weapons they're going to have at their disposal. Should be good. Plus the safety should be good. So I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if it starts going back towards the two and a half side of the three, but we'll see. What do you make that line? Right at two and a half is my personal line. So uh, again, I'm higher on Georgia this year in general and a little lower on Clemson. I'm not sure where Rufus would have it at, but I think that'll be about fair. I have Georgia is a favorite of a tenth of a point. Over Clemson. Like Over the, Clemson. The, it's the neutral field. It's orange. Neutral field. Yes, it is. Yeah. Nice. So I, I'm I'm pretty America. bullish, George. I'm su- I'm surprised that you have him a favorite. That's yeah. good good sign. You probably I mean, like. Three, he, I don't know if you've heard of this guy Trevor Lawrence that they lost. Wait, he's not there anymore. <laughs> but they still have Etienne, right? You guys, yeah, he just got hurt for the year. You guys see them try to score in that second preseason game. I I didn't. It was like the one where Urban Meyer came out and said, "We're going to go up tempo. We're going to be focused this time." Our offense didn't look great last week. And then they came out and they scored three points in the first half against the Saints. So I'm, I'm then worried. They fired their quarterback, right? Then they traded Minshew, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that was a quarterback controversy, Minshew versus Lawrence. Well, well now they made I am on record. I am on record saying that uh, Lawrence is going to be a bust. So we'll just we'll just say that Minshew's a better quarterback right now than I mean I w- I think Minshew gives them a better better chance of winning Week One. That's my opinion. My only point on this Lawrence thing, not that anyone cares, is that, and and I, someone had taken what I said to say like the two games that I saw him play, i.e., the you know the two games where he had pretty big busts out, um, that you know he he was overthrowing a lot of receivers and things like that. And my question with these guys like uh, Lawrence is, you have such good wide receivers, you have such good other tools. And you're throwing into pretty big windows. The accuracy at the NFL level is probably the most important thing that you need. And I mean, I'm assuming that he grades out very accurate in all the tests that they do and whatnot. But do you remember he, the the LSU national title game? Yeah, he wasn't accurate at all. He he was over. He, do, you, do you know the number he he overthrew or threw high? How many times during that game? What percent? He, or number uh, no total 12. amount of times that he threw. Yeah, it was twelve or thirteen. It was one. Yeah. I was guessing. It was so many times. It was like in in crazy amount. Like I think it was about as many times as he had missed a receiver all year. And he was just I don't know if he had the yips or something for a day, but it, it was wild. But then you've kind of seen it in preseason. Uh, you saw it. By the way, the reason I even thought of it is I was talking about it earlier today with Dorian Thompson Robinson against the Hawaii defense. He had guys just running clear, wide open, and he just kept airmailing up long like these line drive throws that had no chance. And I'm a little bit concerned, I guess, going into UCLA. The run game was obviously effective enough. They took care of Hawaii regardless. But uh, that was one where I showed it. So, newsflash, DTR is not an accurate passer. Yeah, he's as good at throwing as national championship against LSU Trevor Lawrence. Wow. Hyphens, hyphens in all of those. Yeah. So, he should be a number one draft pick, you're saying? Yeah, he would be yeah but, he, but he won't be very accurate. And it's an LSU, coincidentally. So, anyway, that's why I had made that uh, connection. It's against LSU, you mean? It's at UCLA, right? Yeah, yeah, they play here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, but you bet on UCLA in that game, but you're still a little worried. Yeah, I will say it was four some spots still. Some had taken it down over the weekend. It was three and a half most of the day. And then at like 630, it got knocked to three most places. So, it'll probably stay. Still better at three? No. Just just three and a half or better. What do you make that line? LSU, UCLA. He's probably. LSU side is my guess. 
Um, so I haven't updated it for UCLA because UCLA played last. They played week. well last week. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I'll tell you what I made it before because I ran this code and then I realized I like didn't set the week number correct, and so I'm like, ah, like, but then I was like, didn't want to. The amount of bugs that Rufus has in his just code is is unbelievable considering he still owns four houses in the Caribbean. <laughs> Hey, after he finds Only this one, one I actually have a question. I have a question for you. And, and, and it may not be completely standing after all these hurricanes, but but but, oh, but yeah. going in, go before the UCLA game, I would have made it LSU minus two tenths of a point. Oh, there you go. So you, you're definitely going to like the well the three and a halves that were around earlier. Maybe you can still get a couple actually. If I'm looking at the screen now, question for you guys: There was something interesting. Whether you like Chip Kelly or not, he's one of my favorite coaches of all time because of kind of how he changed the game. You know, he sped up, but also just running RPO more frequently, which people want to say didn't work in the NFL. He won at least 10 games, three of his four years, and now everyone's running RPO and pre-snap motion and all that stuff. So I think he's kind of changed and molded offense in that way. UCLA did something last year defensively that I'm very intrigued by. Uh, and I'm still not hundred percent sure if he's found like the ultimate bend and break style of defense. That is like kind of the defensive side of what he did for the offense, but based on their like points allowed and success rate and everything, like it was historically like the widest discrepancy. I think that we've really seen, at least as far as I was going back and looking, uh, they would basically let teams, I think they ranked outside the top 100 in success rate. It was like 106, 107th. Then teams would get into the red zone. And I don't know if it was just a matter of them being able to lock it in in the red zone, right? Bend, don't break, and that whole narrative side of things. You just holding up quotation fingers in case I was doing quotation. The bend, the don't podcast, break. Jesus, so no one can see these. Lock, lock it in. Used, I know you're used to being a television personality, and I and I can do that, and people yeah. see it. Yeah. So I, I'm really genuinely curious, though. Uh, were they more aggressive inside the 20 and just forcing more turnovers more frequently, or getting sacks and pushing teams back? Uh, it was a small sample overall. The Pac-12 didn't even play that many games. But they, based on like their success rates allowed and everything, should have given up way more points. And then Hawaii, I remember watching the first half, late into the second quarter, Hawaii had minus 10 yards, and the use of the defense looked phenomenal. And so I don't know if like they've just kind of figured out it's some defensive stuff that could be a long-term, at least part solution. Well, like, I don't know. UCLA, I think there's some upside to the Bruins being actually like a double-digit win team this year or something. Like just kind of totally catching people off guard, or they're totally just going to regress, fall on their face, and you know, the, giving up 107th success rate to your opponents is going to, you know, you're going to end up giving up 30 plus points. Well, so, I mean, along the lines of what you're saying with the, with this, th- this is something that the Patriots they used to talk about, right? Having a very high, giving up a lot of yards, but having a very high or, or, you know, defensive success rate. Very Patriots. That too, the Belichick thing. And, and there is a lot of uh, Belichick, uh, Belichick, Chip Kelly, you know, Belichick started playing fast because of Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly came, you know, he learned it from Chip Kelly when he was sort of at Oregon. So I, I do think that there is some level of those guys have shared some information with each other over time. I, I think. Okay. So, so maybe there's something there, but again, like no one's been able to figure out what the Patriots do to have done that. Right. Like they deflated balls or whatever they did. Right. But there is, there, there are two things that were hallmarks, right, of, of like of statistical anomalies during the Patriots run. One was that, you know, high defensive success rate in the red zone. And the other was like the turnover differential, right? The, the, and so, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm interested to follow that. Uh, so, Rufus, what did you say? Uh, you have the UCLA LSU game? 
No, well, not including UCLA's game last week. About a pick, he said. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Sorry. Oh, interesting. So then you like UCLA in that game even more then. Yeah, Hawaii all grayed out decent for him. So it's definitely not going to get worse. I presume so. Interesting. Let's see. What did I make the Hawaii-UCLA game? I made UCLA a 20.4-point favorite there. You get close. They were 17 and a half. Yeah, so I was a little higher on UCLA. They won by a lot, though, so you would have graded them out pretty high. Probably. And they won by a lot with DTR throwing Travis, Trevor Lawrence national championship type passes. LSU, you had to throw LSU in the middle of the hyphen. Real quick, I'd be curious, Rufus, when you run, who grades out worse from the week zero, Hawaii, UConn, or New Mexico State? Just let us know hmm. when you get that. Okay. I they were all so Let us know via bad. Twitter. Yeah. Who <laughs> uh, grades? Oklahoma still on the board here, as far as I can see it. Chris, minus 30 against Tulane. Oh, maybe they pulled it on the Don Best screen with the red highlighted canceled and they reposted a different line. Why would it say canceled on Don Best? All right, that's my fault. I, I apologize. It does say canceled. Maybe. Maybe there was a two lane something or other that. Or wait, was it, there, uh, is it hurricane related? I was trying to do a canceled joke, but I can't couldn't get it out. So people that aftermath was- of hurricane Ida moves Saturdays Oklahoma. Oh, they moved the day mm. or the time. It's one of the two. Oh, they're oh they're playing in o- Oklahoma now. There you go. <laughs> From earlier today, that would be why it's all the way up to thirty and swung that direction. And here we are breaking news. It makes a difference whether they play. Six Were they they originally going to be in Tulane, huh? Yeah, and the line was what like is in the twenties. So hmm. it, it all makes sense now, and that's why what the other the other rotation shows. What about now? You're alma mater. You're you're sort of alma mater. Jeez, you only have you have a thirty. It's thirty one most spots now that I'm looking it up. But yeah, it was up to 27, 26 and a half, 27 and a half. Let's just jump Anyways. on thirty here, then. but it's thirty at Chris. So they're the market makers, right? Do they? What do they know? 30. So BYU, Arizona. So here's what's interesting about this year for people that you know getting into college football, like yourself, Jeff. Typically, every year the average returning experience or returning production for every school is about 63%. This year, the NCAA granted an extra year of eligibility because of the weirdness. Oh, it's so high. Last year. It's, so it's high. 77%. This I thought year. there was a bug in my shit. <laughs> it took you like three days First, to realize and everyone's I, coming back anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, then I um, looked, uh, then I looked at Bill Connolly's stuff and it was, he, he mentioned the same thing. I was like, okay, thank God. Yep. So it's that high, but now then to put this into perspective, BYU, dead last in returning production, 35%. The next lowest is Northwestern at 39%. And then the next lowest, Ohio State, 51%. So that's how far much, you know, how much lower BYU and Northwestern are to even the third lowest returning production, which is Ohio State, which makes sense. They have a ton of guys going to the NFL. BYU had guys going to the NFL this last year, obviously, including Zach Wilson. And also, they're all like LDS guys that are married with young kids and are like, I don't need to go back to school for another year to party. I'm going to go get a job. And so like anyone that was trying to get an extra year of eligibility, they're not doing that at BYU regardless. So it's interesting to see how low they are. Arizona is an absolute disaster. Their season went total was two and a half, but. Wow. How are they such a disaster? I was going to make a joke about the Jets not, shouldn't count as an NFL team for Zach Wilson, but. <laughs> but then yeah, Arizona, got, the Sumlin era was just week. like so bad. 
and then I, I'm not sure what someone did or how it all went down. It was, I feel like there's more to that than we even know because it's hard to, I mean, they were a pretty good team for a long time. Um, and here we are, I forget the new coach name. I think is, is his last name. He comes from uh, the NFL, I think. I actually like, I've been a Patriots Kevin like quarterback someone coach. ended up so doing so poorly. I mean, I always, I, I always thought he was actually a pretty good coach or someone. Yeah. Someone. He was the coach at Arizona. Yeah. Someone, right? Yeah. Someone. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> looks like Mike Tomlin. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said something different. No. What do you think I said? Not that. I didn't even understand what you said. Um, it's Jed Fish. So he's with he was with Pete Carroll of Seattle prior to, to taking over here for Arizona. Okay, so they're gonna run the ball. I I did I did like under fifty four and a half for uh, this game. Part partly because of what BYU will be able to do offensively and Arizona, and I think the pace of play will go down for both teams too. And yeah, I, I, that is one that. It, a bunch of my family, I'm not going, but a bunch of them are going to the game. It's in Vegas, neutral. You're about to say a bunch of your family's already bet the under. <laughs> they, 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 they have not. This is way around all this. That's my way around is like, just tell my wife to bet it. Yeah, I, I'm not doing that. That's a... Your wife's Mormon also, so I don't think that she's supposed to bet any either. So no, that was the joke. Anyways. Uh, okay. Um, moving on. Um, any other interesting games we want to talk about for this slate? I'm curious, Rufus, just on your current numbers, what you make, uh, ULL Texas Lafayette, sexy, non, you know, power team group of five that Sunbelt. upset Iowa Sunbelt. state in week one. Yeah. I'm actually high on Texas year. here. Good. All right. This is like, this is what I, one of my favorite spots. I, I, I like the minus eight. Yeah, me too. Are you like around 12 ish? I'm 13. Yeah. And everyone's the first time in like four years. It's not Tom, Tom Herman. This is Texas year. Now everyone's saying, all right, Herman's out to rebuilding season. It's going to take Sarkeesian a few years. Like, I don't know about that. It's like one of the greatest offensive minds we've ever it seen. It's seven and a half now on Chris. There you go. I need to start. I need but to go. I'll it. say if there's a public dog of the week, it's definitely the Raging Cajuns. But uh, I, I like the, the favorite. I think it's a contrarian favorite laying over a TD against. And everyone's like, wait, wait, Texas? Like, this doesn't make sense. And uh, I, I like it. I, I think they're the right side. And we'll see if it actually moves up or not. But uh, it's just gotten kind of out of control. It opened at 12. It's been pushed down all the way to seven and a half, as Jeff mentioned. And the region Cajuns might have had wrong. friends or family impacted by the hurricane. What do you guys think went wrong? Preston, <laughs> uh, what do you think went wrong what do you think went wrong for Tom Herman at uh, at Texas? I heard what went wrong for Tom Herman. That's where my brain is. That makes us, everyone believes you, actually. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this. Brain. I'm not. So Todd Orlando was the defensive coordinator there for a few of the years, and he had come over with Herman from Houston, where they were really good for a year, but they were in the AAC. And prior to that, uh, Orlando was really good defensively as the defensive coordinator for Utah state in the mountain West conference. Then you hit the big 12 and it's just a completely different scenario. Not only because it's like power five, but also at the big 12 offensive, just as a whole, their offenses are going to be more explosive and tougher to defend. So they couldn't really ever get stops. And I also always thought Sam Ellinger was overrated. I didn't think he was an accurate enough passer. He'd always just like take off and run and he made plays and, you know, kind of the Tebow S style of, of player. But I think he kind of held them back some. And that was Herman's guy, though. So he played him, I believe, all four years. He was 
just the guy. But I think it was a combo of the defense not being quite as good. And so I think there's improvement to be made for the defense. And I think schematically, Sarkeesian just is one of the best. And they have a guy, is it Card is his last name? He's a potential first-round NFL guy in a few years whenever he decides to go pro uh, that's been slinging it in uh, spring and all the responses that he's going to be um, really good. Yeah, Card is, Card is his last name. So Rufus, sir, it does seem like the minute we release this podcast, Texas is going to get hit. So maybe you should bet that one first. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Seven people can move the market a lot. Um, any last games of interest? Last teams that you want to talk about, Cheetah? Cheetah, do you like Miami, Ohio this week? Nothing there for me. There's no reason necessarily off the top of my head why you wouldn't on your end if your numbers say so. So I, w- I wouldn't like try to scare you off. I, in, in general, Cincinnati is going to be the best team outside of the Power Five. And here, here's a question, Jeff, just kind of talking general college football playoff committee politics. If you're a Cincinnati team that you know made a pretty good run last year, hung with Georgia to some extent in the bowl game, you go 13-0 this year because you win your AAC title game. You also have, that means you have a road win against Indiana and a road win against Notre Dame out of conference. So potentially two top 25, maybe even top 10 to 15 teams there. Do you, do they have any shot at the playoff making it into the four? Yeah. I mean, I think they have a shot. It just depends on how these things, I mean, I, I've always been this, I've always been a strong proponent of a larger playoff, Field because ultimately I don't think it's fair to have these teams in division one and have them wake up basically knowing that no matter what they do, they have no chance to win a national championship. And that's, that's false. If, if they win every, you know, they just need to keep their boosters happy and win by more points. No, now you got to keep the players happy when no, they're no, making no, no, no. But I, I'm serious right coming. now. Like if you think hey, about win it, 70, like, nothing every week, and then maybe you'll have a chance. Well, Old Dominion has no chance to win the national championship, no matter what they do this year. But, but in right? college basketball, a team like that would theoretically have a chance. That's what you're saying. Thank you. 128 team playoff. That, that is what I'm saying. No, I think what it needs to be is if you win your division, right. Or like, I think every conference should have a, an automatic bid, right. There's gosh, only what yeah. there's, there's 10 conferences now, right. Like, the power five and the the next the the group of five or whatever it's called oh, right and then soon it's going to be like one big sec and, and then and then the if you have six then you could have six at large you'd have an 18 team sorry 16 team playoffs you could get rid of one of the game one of the regular season games you can maybe even get rid of the conference championship because you would just have a regular season champion and then someone in at large potentially yeah. And you wouldn't be adding that many games, really. I think you'd add one or two games for one or two teams than what they have. And They're not losing the just... conference championship money, though. What's that? The money from the conference championship oh, games. Nobody. They would get a lot of money for the for the for the for the increased playoffs too. Yeah, you could transfer it over somehow. It kind of would end up being a wash for some of those first teams that lose. Yeah. And it's I've gone into arguments all the time with this, and like your your Cincinnati one is a perfect example because even if they win all their games and go undefeated and look great, there's still a pretty good chance that they get left out. Yep. Right. I mean, we could play those scenarios out at nauseum, but even last year they looked really good and they, they weren't really even consideration ever. Right. 
No, not really. It's all going to be relative to how other teams and conferences perform. If there's multiple two loss teams in the mix, then, you know, maybe they have a real shot at that point. Um, so it'll depend some, but uh, I've asked a few people and they say it's basically zero shot. And I contend that it's possible. I'm rooting for it just because I'm kind of like, you want to see the somewhat underdog have a shot. I mean, it's ridiculous that basically we have a pretty good idea of who's going to win the national championship before the season even starts. Yeah, I wonder what Rufus, I don't know if you're running like Sims for projections on national title odds, but I imagine those that top five just scrapes like such a big chunk of. Oh, like every year it's like Alabama plus 150, you know, Clemson. It's basically Clemson, Alabama, like, you know, 75% every year it feels like. I mean, doesn't South Point usually put up this prop eventually, like four teams versus the field? Yeah, and the four teams are a massive favorite. Yeah. Or at least a decent favorite. I think this year with with George, I think it's a real contender potentially. So I would say five teams have the real shot. But uh, I I bet some Georgia futures. I was was actually running um, running it today. And so, but I hit an error because I (laughs) – because <laughs> i because said the a global production. macro to 2021 and i just did a replay like and and i and i forgot that i hadn't created a file for conferences yet this year because i make myself do that because sometimes there's conferences that change so i create a new uh, every, yeah i wish the bookmakers that banned you from betting or that limits you would listen to this podcast and see how you can't even get a excel <laughs> sheet to work correctly excel sheet or whatever. Excel you're sheets don't give you errors when you run code because you can't run code in Excel. I you guess you can macro. using VBA, you run, but you can yeah, you can run a macro. VBA, yeah. VBA. No, I'm talking about macros in not not in Excel macros. I'm talking about macro like like a macro in well a different language. <laughs> hey, one more I want to throw out just because it's up where Jeff's living more or less, and it's a team I think Rufus has been. Accustomly bullish on San Jose State, to the market. San Jose State, San Jose State. No. Nope. Damn it. It's, it's Cal. I want to know what his Cal Nevada number is. Oh. I got so excited. Cal and Nevada. Cal Neva. <laughs> Cal. You, you, you remember the good old days with, of Club Cal Neva? I make that Cal minus three. No, no nobody, nobody. <laughs> what? That's, no. what the, that's what the no. line is. Calneva? No, I mean. Calneva, the sports book. Yes, Rufus. We know yeah. what you're talking about. Rufus, what do you make that line? Crystal Bay or something, Reno? Um, Cal minus eight. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're going to like market. minus three. Yeah. I'm off market. Well, I'm I'm like over six, and, and I like the three. You can get a, a lot of minus 115 or better on threes, yeah. You said there's that. Another, there's someone I respect very much is. Like it's in the, the thread side there though interesting so i'm a little bit well resident. it's it's weird because last year cal was like one of the teams that didn't practice at all they showed up for the ucla game in like week three we're down 38-0 or something in the third quarter like they were just total disaster but they bring back like 19 guys from the team from two years ago anyway and they got hyped before last year and then COVID, i think just kind of is it is just a well, and they had there? such a small sample like yeah those, Wilcox stuff, those yeah. pac-12 teams yeah they played like four games them. What did they have four games exactly? And yeah, so Garbers like, still you QB. can't you can't rate it as a full season. You just can't. Yes. I'm surprised people do like Nevada, but I know someone else would also like the plus three and a half, and I'm just totally the other way. I like the Bears. I'm glad to have some support. 
That's another one that if you're listening to this podcast, rush to bet it before Rufus does because it'll. Move. I don't think that one's gonna like completely move nah. a ton. Maybe if Rufus, he'll probably bet it to three and a half. But if there's people on the other side, it's not gonna get to like four or four and a half before they would just play back more. I gotta well, load up so. after my zero for nine baseball night tonight. Yeah, I'm sorry that that happened. You've been in a positively good mood, all things considered. I was a little worried before we hit record. <laughs> Did it finish 0-9 for sure? Uh, I mean, I still got the Dodgers game under 8.5, I think. It's at 7 right now with 6 innings. Did it you bet on the good. Orioles? Because I could have told did, you not to I do did that. did bet on the Orioles this week. Tonight. You did? Yes. I'm they, sorry. they won a few games. Yeah. Then they went three or four straight after they lost 19 straight. So. No, I think they won like two straight. Uh, well, that's like four games for them. It's Yeah, that's like <laughs> 10 for any other team. Uh, anything else, guys? We said we want to keep it kind of short. We're going to do this Calcutta next week. Um, yeah, yes, I heard, listened to you guys last week. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, whatever official rules you guys want to put together. Some of the ideas I thought were good, though, from last week, so... Yeah, we can discuss that. Maybe maybe we'll send it out and discuss it. We don't have to do it on air. We 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 heard that that wasn't great content from some people. Um, are you gonna, what's your? What <laughs> do you guys your, hear that every week? Yeah, that's true. It By the way, stop. there is some there is some like wind and rain. Uh, By the way, in, in Minnesota Thursday night against Ohio State, for what it's worth, sixty four and a half. Go ahead, Rufus. I was just gonna say, I think there's like a like there's a bunch of closeted Jeff Ma fans. Like they're just they will not admit to being. I don't mean. Shit, I shouldn't have said that. Ruben, just leave it alone. Leave I'm it alone. pretty just sure. Like, I'm pretty my sure. point is, they both publicly admit to being Jeff Ma fans, but they yeah. are. That's what I was getting at with Joey Kanish. He says he never listens. He can't stand it, and then he listens to every podcast. For <laughs> sure. There you go. I, I don't need you guys saying nice things about me. Um, so what – What? Uh, oh, press we have to figure out, wait, I have to figure out when uh, the – we have to figure out when the Vegas weekend is because I have to schedule some other stuff. I have to make plans. Well, right now it's it's looking like July. It's looking like September twenty sixth. September twenty sixth that week that weekend. The last weekend of September. I haven't I haven't cleared it with my wife yet. But once I do, <laughs> where else things go? Okay. So so like the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. Yeah, that weekend. All right. Um, what uh, Preston? What's your involvement going to be in this NFL Calcutta regular season Calcutta? It's a good question. I can I can help you draft, but uh, I theoretically I should be taking no action if I'm staying true to myself. So we'll talk, but I, I won't take any of the action. But I can help you put stuff together, and you and your partner or whatever we can just discuss some things. And if you want me to bid, I can bid for you and see what happens. I have a question for you, Preston. Yeah. So this whole bet, what happened? Like, does it expire at the end of the year? Is it a one year thing? No, I, I, I wish I had put an expiration on it, like. Up, you lose. You're still fat, but now you can bet again. No, I. Okay, so here's how I went down. I'll give you the the 30 seconds on it. I lost 20 pounds in the first, a little over two months. Was really excited, really positive. Uh, then I did that whole punks comic thing and got really, really busy. And then I got pretty lazy on the side from that, and that whole thing just kind of blew up. And I just haven't gotten back into it. And I tried really hard, like mid July, to get back into it. And I did. I lost, like after losing 21, I gained two, and then I'm, I lost like eight more. So I'm at 27. But I, I got to just keep grinding. And I think by the end of the year, I can get at least probably like for sure into the 40s, depending on how hard I go. But uh, goals to try to still get to 50 before I before okay. I fire on stuff. But basically, you know, you made enough money on NFTs that you don't need to bet anymore, huh? 
that 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 also doesn't help my motivation side of things i'll I'll be honest about that if if i was like i really need my potential profit from college football this year then maybe i would be down close to 50 but i'm just not i don't i don't get the nft space personally but we'll we'll have a convo in a few weeks when we're golfing in vegas yeah yeah i mean i'm not saying there you know that it's not great I, i mean i know a lot of people that have made a lot off it so that's great but you know, including yourself, but, but I, yeah, I, I don't fully understand. I will, I will say you said something years ago why I wasn't on the podcast, but someone asked you on the pod, probably Jeff asked if you held any Bitcoin and you said, no, I moved it all into Ethereum because I think the smart contract, like the code is better. Have you been holding on to that Ethereum since however many years ago that was because you're in also yourself extremely good shape and theoretically still have some sort of exposure in the NFT space through Ethereum. Through Ethereum, you're right. No, and I I still do hold Ethereum. I don't oh, know if it's good. I don't know how much it is relative to what it was then. And I think there was like definitely on the way up. My partner and I sold like I think we sold some at a thousand. We like we basically we made prudent financial decisions, which don't seem as prudent now. Like, <laughs> but sure. But I still hold a good deal of it for sure. And yeah, and that's great. And I'm actually a little higher on Bitcoin than I was at the time, just given the adopt. Like, I, I think it's cleared a lot of hurdles. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, but yeah, those so you have both now, which is good. Yeah, I think that's that's fine. Yeah, no, but I mean, you're right. Like, obviously, you're right. I do have NFT exposure through Ethereum ownership, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's like the safest way. I, I t- my dad finally asked me like a couple weeks ago how to get involved, and I was like, honestly, just like buy some Ether and, and call it a day. Would you guys still buy Ethereum now? Yeah, like 3200, 3150, yeah, for sure. At this price? So I should no. shift. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, I'm take, not one, I'm not take one Bitcoin and, and swap it into ETH. I, and what I won't, I won't even. Half of my Bitcoin holdings. Not half. I said one. So you can buy like 15 of them or so. All right. Which is one punks comic. All right. Drop the mic. End the show. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you probably twice next week. We'll do a podcast and maybe a, uh, a Calcutta. All the numbers in the simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of Reddit. 